Forbes Books presents The Sky's the Limit with host Dee Brown, the president and CEO of the P3 Group, the nation's largest minority, public, private, partnership real estate developer. Here's Dee. Joining me this week is Nathaniel Clark, the managing partner of Chasm Architecture. Nate founded the company in 2005, and Chasm has become a top-notch full-service design firm headquartered in Atlanta, Georgia. Nate, welcome to The Sky's the Limit. Thank you so much, D. I've been looking forward to this. How are you doing today, sir? I'm doing good. I'm doing good, Nate. I appreciate you taking time out of your, your busy schedule to join me on this episode of The Sky's the Limit. Absolutely. Uh, it's, it's exciting thing that you got going on here. Glad to be a part of it. Thank you. Uh, Nate, I want to start by just kind of referring to your bio. Uh, there are not a lot of people that include quotes from British philosophers in their bio, but yours open up with, as a man thinketh, so shall he become. What do you mean by that? Well, you know, as a man thinketh uh, was a book by James Allen. It was actually my first book as a child. It was given to me by my church uh, in Sterling to Louisiana. And so the book is 50 years old, or it will be in October of this year. So, uh, but the book, what it means to me, it's, you know, I had no influence on this book coming into my life. And it was a wonderful gift uh, to me by uh, my church. And it just simply means we are a product of our thoughts. You know, we say out loud positive or negative things, and that drives our circumstances. So I've always, since, you know, being a kid reading this book, uh, have been mindful of the things that I say and how that drives my life and propels things in my life that either I want to happen or I, I don't want to happen. Because there's been times where I've said things that I should not have said, and those things come true. So, you know, as a man right. thinking, so, so shall he become, has been part of my life since, you know, the first days of my life. Wow, that's that's so true, Nate. Uh, I've often heard you say that good leaders must also be great followers. Some people might have trouble understanding the logic behind this. Why is this so important to you? Well, you know, I think if you're smart, then you have great people within your circle who challenge you. If you're always the smartest person in the room, then you can't grow. And everything about me is about exponential growth. You know, I want even in my firm uh, I tell everyone that, listen, you have a voice. Everybody has a voice, even down to the janitor has a voice. Uh, and I think that's so important when you're grooming people for leadership. You can't dismantle someone's voice or not listen to the things that they have to say, because you can always learn from someone else. And even in sports, right, in sports, in business or any competition, the only way you get stronger is to play with stronger players. So I always want to include very strong people around me. I want to grow those around me as well. And then there's the trust side that's associated with that growth. You know, I may not always be the uh, youngest or the brightest, but, you know, sometimes you can learn things from people that have much less experience than you. And then you have to be willing to follow their leadership, even though they don't have the same level of experience. And I think when you're doing that, that's how you see these companies grow exponentially. I can't write code. There are some very smart people out there that can write code that we should all be listening to about certain things within that space. So, you know, followership is underrated. Everybody wants to be a leader. Everybody talks about being a leader. But, you know, the best part of a company are the folks that are following. And even as a leader within my firm, 
I find myself following my team uh, when it comes to technology and the other things that we need to implement in order to make us a more robust architectural firm. Right. I have that conversation with my team all the time. You know, a couple points to what you spoke on. We don't want to surround ourselves with yes men. A lot of people feel like, hey, when you get to a certain level of success, you know, you should, you know, you should always be right or you should you want people to always agree uh, with you. But we have to have our thoughts challenged. Uh, right. I think that's one of the things that we do, you know, obviously with each other, uh, having worked together for so many years, uh, being able to challenge each other's thoughts uh, as it relates to uh, different uh, projects and perspectives. So um, you're very accurate in your assessment there. Uh, last year, you wrote on LinkedIn that in the seventh grade, you were told by four high school students that black men could never run a successful business or become the president. And in that moment, you quote, I would find one of the widest professions and excel beyond comprehension. Take me back to that time and how it drove you to be successful. You know, I was in fifth period band practice. I was a really good trombone player. I've been playing since, you know, fourth grade. So I transitioned that talent, even though I, I was going to play sports. You know, I played basketball, uh, football, uh, all throughout high school. You know, I was in band practice right before sixth period, which was, you know, football practice. And I, I was in there and the, they just decided to have a conversation behind me. Uh, four gentlemen, I, I've decided that I would never repeat their names because of how driven, how they've driven my career. Uh, but I didn't start telling this story until we, I made the 15th year of my company, which was last year. Well, I was playing uh, on the trombone and they were standing behind me and they were saying things like, well, you know, black man can never become president of the United States. Uh, they can never run a successful business. They're good at sports, but they could never be the quarterback, nor could they be the GM, nor could they own the team. Uh, and I just kind of start ghosting on my trombone as if I was still playing, but I wasn't. And I was just listening to these things. And it really struck me that, you know, I grew up in Strollington, Louisiana. It's a small rural town in North Louisiana. And some of that, from my perspective, could have been true that because I didn't have the examples. So in that moment, I decided to become an example of success. And I wanted to find one of the whitest professions uh, that I knew of or that I didn't know of and really um, succeed and dominate that profession uh, by being really good and really excellent in it and not marketing myself as a minority company or as a minority individual or as a black man. I want it to be good based upon us being good. And I right. think we've, I think we've built that company that uh, I can look back and say, as an example, that I am a successful business owner. We have seen an African-American president, right? I'm around folks like yourself who are also successful because when they say that these are the things that we could not accomplish, they weren't just talking about me. They were talking about my friends. They were talking about you, even though I didn't know you at the time. They were talking about your father and your right. uncle and other folks. So, and other men that you've had on this show. So, I think it's important that you know we engage ourselves and challenge ourselves to be successful. And that kind of goes back to as a man thinking, so shall he become. If I would have allowed those words to enter into my being, then I probably wouldn't be sitting here today. Nate, you know, uh, over the years, we've, we've 
found that we have so many things in common, so many similar stories and life experiences. And uh, when I was uh, thinking about what happened to you in the seventh grade, it took me back to a sixth grade experience that I had where a teacher, uh, one of my teachers was talking to another teacher about me and she just described me as being a mediocre student. And it was something about hearing those words that day that kind of unlocked the inner competitiveness in me. I think it was that day that I said, you know, I would never be referred to as mediocre again. And so things happen in our lives, right, that kind of get our wheels turning and kind of unlock the drive that we have within us. And I think those type of uh, life events fuel the success that we uh, we've achieved. You know, even yep. at LSU, I went to LSU and had graduated from Kahoma Community College uh, with the highest academic achievement. Then I went on to LSU and what folks don't know, and I just started telling this story recently as well, that over the five years I was at LSU, I never went to a, a home football game. Every home football game at LSU, the entire time I was there, I made myself go to the studio and stay there for two hours. Some of my former professors can vouch for this. I would go there for two hours at least and stay there for every home game while everybody else was walking across the quad and their purple and gold going over to uh, the stadium. I was going perpendicular to that traffic over to Atkinson Hall to the design studio. And I think that's similar to Kobe putting up 500 shots after the game. Like everybody wants to be great but some people don't want to put in the work and you got to put in the work. You can't talk about being great. You got to sacrifice. And all of that was tethered back to that conversation about what we can't be, who we're not. You can accept that or you can put in the work. Nate, uh, I was telling one of my guys, uh, everybody wants to be great. Everybody want to be, want to be a beast until right. it's time to do what beasts do. Right. right? So they want, they want the title, they want the accolade, but they don't want to put in the work. So the example I always use is that the lion is the king of the jungle. The lion is not the fastest animal in the jungle, right? That's the cheetah. Right. It's not, it's not the smartest animal in the jungle. That would be the orangutan. And it's definitely not the largest animal in the jungle. That's the elephant. So the only difference between the lion and the other animals is simply mentality. Right. Right? So when a, when a, when a lion see an elephant, he's he's thinking about eating lunch. And the elephant is thinking about running. Two totally different mentalities. So right. it's easier said than than done. So we we definitely agree on on that point. So Nate yeah. Chasm has just celebrated 15 years of continuous business and has grown to be the architect of record for a variety of huge companies, uh, everyone from uh, Atlanta Housing Authority, uh, Blue Cross Blue Shield of Louisiana. Also, you are the architect of record for my firm, the P3 Group. And the key uh, in what I said is continuous. So what does this longevity mean to you? Longevity means everything. I mean, if you can start a company uh, and it has a five-year run or a three-year run, and then you end up going back to work for someone, then there are some success in there, but the longevity is where you really truly test the success of an entrepreneur or a CEO, 
right? I think right. all of this is tied to your mindset. It, it, it man, let, it, let's let, let, look, it gets tough. Everybody that's ever run a company, they know that there are some lean, lean times uh, when you're running a company. I think longevity is based upon your mindset. It's going back to that whole faith in yourself and faith in the God that you're serving and then executing and not worrying about anything else but being successful. So longevity means everything. Uh, we right. started out in 2005. We, we transitioned through the 2008 recession and now have survived the global pandemic. And, you know, I took the long route to success with Chasm. Uh, we were built on a really solid foundation. I didn't take any favors. We didn't do any kickbacks. I can't lean to anyone to say that you are the success of Chasm, that you put us on and you gave us the contract. And all of that was through blood, sweat and tears to generate the success that we have now. And it's very comforting to look back 15 years and say that, wow, you know, this one person firm that's now 29 people over a 15 year span. Um, and, you know, I've even tried to maintain uh, and held back our growth so that we could remain at the right size, with, which also takes a lot of planning and a lot of strategy. So. You know, I, th I think longevity is the key and we're, we're projecting even longer uh, lifespan for this firm because I try to stay not six months ahead, but six quarters ahead in our cash flow and our projections and marketing uh, as a firm. And I think when you do that, it allows you to plan a lot better uh, than many firms that operate on a day-to-day -day in a reactive mode by responding to RFPs. We're out here fighting like the lion. We're out here tracking prey. And if we need to move where the prey is hurting, then we move where the prey is hurting. And I think a lot of firms are not willing to take that level of risk. And we are. Right. Nate, you know, one of the things that contribute to longevity as being able to develop and maintain strong relationships. Absolutely. You have been the corporate architect for Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Louisiana for over a decade. Uh, you have been architect of records for um, my firm, the P3 Group, for uh, nearly five years. Uh, how do you view developing and maintaining uh, strong relationships as it, re as it relate to running a successful business? Uh, Blue Cross Blue Shield of Louisiana, is a leading corporate entity in the state of Louisiana. Dr. Steve is a great leader. Uh, their board is really, really run very well. Uh, and they want to work with minority owned companies. The other thing about minority owned company is I am a minority owned company, but I don't market as a minority owned company. We just market as a damn good architectural firm that provides a great product for our clients. We treat every client like they're number one. We tell every client that they're number one, and then we provide that level of service. And it's personal for me. It's personal that, you know, I use my superpower, which is I influence my clients to hire us. The worst part or the worst thing that you could do is not perform after you've created this relationship with a client. So my friends, you are a friend. My friends at Blue Cross Blue Shield are friends. I deliver high level product to those guys every day so that they can never call me to the carpet about not executing at the highest level. So if you're going to replace chasm, 
it's because you want to replace chasm or there's new leadership, but it won't be because we did not perform and we did not give you your best, our best at all times. Nate, we know that over the last year, year and a half, we've dealt with the uh, global pandemic. And of course, we've uh, uh, came through that storm together, I think, uh, stronger than we started. Talk to me about the pandemic and how it's impacted your approach to design and architecture. You know, the pandemic was kind of the the real fire to our fire drill. So over prior to the pandemic, maybe three, four years, I had staff come to me and say, Nate, you know, I have a family uh, situation where my spouse uh, may be getting a promotion and they're moving. And I would say, just take your computer with you and we're going to open up uh, an office in the region where you're living. That happened on three occasions. So I've been working remotely for four years and that was our fire drill, right? The key to me is always operate outside of your comfort zone until it becomes comfortable. You can't grow in anything. No sport. You had Master P on your podcast. He talked about basketball. The only way that you can get better is to put in the work and operate outside of your comfort zone, right? And I think the more we businesses that look like us not settle for being comfortable, not settle for wanting to control our team, our staff. So you allow them to grow. And if you trust the staff, then they can move anywhere in the world and still work for you. Those are the guys that I'm looking for now, actually, who will sit anywhere and their talent supersedes where they live. So the thing that I've learned most about COVID is to continue to operate outside of your comfort zone because ultimately no human controls anything. You have corporate entities now that are trying to figure out how to navigate during COVID and now after COVID with their critical staff having worked from home and still being efficient yet, they wanna pull them back into the office. And it doesn't make sense to me as it relates to operating a company. So I think, you know, trust your staff, understand that they're, they're intelligent, that you need them. And sometimes you have to follow those guys because though the, the staff is in part, the reason or the most important reason that you're successful. Right. I couldn't agree with you more, Nate, but hang on. We got to stop right here, but coming up next in the second part of my conversation with Nathaniel Clark, the managing partner of Chasm Architecture, Nate talks to me about what he remembers most about turning a Baptist church into a three-story condo complex. I remember how fun that project is. And you know this about me, D. Listen, if we're going to work together, we're going to have fun. We're going to laugh. We're going to joke because we do this for a living. What I remember about that job is that it was a lot of fun. This has been The Sky's the Limit with D. Brown. To find out more about D, go to dbrownceo.com. And to connect with the P3 Group, check out thep3groupinc.com. The Sky's the Limit is a production of Forbes Books.